In his song, Happy, Pharrell Williams proclaims, happiness is the truth. On Tribute to Happiness, we speak with guests who are putting this truth into practice, sharing their stories about what happens when happiness becomes a genuine focus. Tribute to Happiness is brought to you by Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer, Heather Svein Bjornsson. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer. One does not get appointed as a nation's Chief Happiness Officer. It's a choice. It's a choice about how I want to serve my country and community, about addressing something critical that's missing in society. Listening and gratitude are things that are missing, especially in our work lives. Add those two things and positivity and productivity take off. Leave them out and work becomes routine, performance mediocre. Let's explore some new ideas and thinking about happiness at work. Let's also look at happiness at home and happiness. In this episode of Tribute to Happiness, oh boy, I have a, a treat for you because we have a live one uh, and we have a lady. Oh yes, she is full of life, happiness, energy, joy, passion, and she is, lives in Seattle where it rains 600 days out of the 352 we have in a year. <laughs> So, who is my guest today? You may introduce yourself. Yes, hello world through this podcast. Petting, thank you for, for inviting me. My name is Brooklyn and I live in Seattle, Washington, US of A. And you're right, it, it rains here a thousand days out of the year. <laughs> and in fact, Seattle has been known to be the, unfortunately, most depressing state in the union, most depressing state in the country because it rains so much. And I love it. I love that it rains. I love that it's cloudy. I think I'm a, I'm a closeted vampire. I, I like <laughs> that, that sometimes it's not a lot of sun because sometimes the sun can be terrible for your skin. And so, oh, yes. you know, I look, I look very young. I look so much younger than my age is because I live in Seattle. Um, but yes, yes, I am a, I'm a chief happiness officer at, and my company is called the Happiness Consulting Company. And I have been a, uh, in the happiness space and teaching happiness uh, for the last several years. And I just love it. And every day, every day is a joy to be alive. And every day there is power in purpose. There is power in possibility and there's power in potential. And um, I just, I thrive off of that, right? Um, and being that I live also in the state that is the birth of Starbucks, um, I don't really drink coffee. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. I'm, not, I'm naturally caffeinated. As someone said one time when I was in a workshop, like, you're, you're naturally ca caffeinated. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of, of what I do and who I am. But who is who is Brooklyn? Like, what, what, yes. do you have a yeah, degree? Yeah. Do you have a university degree in happiness, or what? The, like, what is your background? Like, why? Yes. Like, have you Such always? Did you make your parents like? Did they get headache because you were always happy, or like because you lit up when you like when you smile and you are just like I can feel and sense your energy, even though we are just making this over Zoom, uh, this podcast and. Like, 
how what did your parents say when you like did, did you just come out of the womb and just like woohoo literally that's what happened uh <laughs> I, I i you know and the interesting thing and and my life my my early years i would say um for most people would not I, I, for all that i've been through in my life um most people have been through a lot of things in, in life a lot of difficulties and a lot of challenges right uh, this this is not doesn't make sense that I, that, I, that I have this level of happiness uh and joy consistently based on that however i this i i found that even as a child i was super curious about life and the world and that never stopped it just kept going and one day i um because so i'm i'm latina I'm, I'm i speak spanish and uh as a child i i asked my mom i, I must have been like oh maybe 10 years old and i said mom why is it that uh announcers and latino announcers are so passionate like they're so uh excitable right on the radio I said, why is it that they speak Spanish, but then all of a sudden the one word they say in English is perfect, right? Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos al show de aquí, estamos con American Airlines. I'm like, what? And, and she starts laughing and she goes, how, what, what made you think? I'm like, I don't know, I just noticed. And I started to observe things and I just make, I just started making fun of things. And I would do like little comedy shows at home. And I just basically make her laugh because she, you know, she was sad at times. And I'm like, I got to find a way to make her laugh. And I just naturally had this sense of ability of, of making jokes and having fun. So um, fast forward in my 20s, I was leave, living in the East Coast part of the United States in a, in a town, in a, in a state called Maine. Uh, Maine, and Maine is the, if you look at the United States, is on the, if you're looking at the map, it's literally the, the top corner um, on the on the right-hand side. So here I am, I go from the top corner on the right-hand side, and I move to the top corner of the left-hand side across the country. But I was living in Maine, and uh, there's a little town called Portland, uh, and Portland is a phenomenal, uh, you know, uh, shipping town, right? So it's a port. It's a lot of shippers, a lot of fish, fit marine and, sh and, and fish, uh, uh, companies and, and, and it's, it's, it's phenomenal little town, uh, very eclectic town, very artsy town. And I was walking around this town. I had just moved to that, that particular city. And I was walking around and I happened to go around this corner and this is little street, super little. And, and, uh, the fishermen were there and doing all the fishing and whatever else. But then right across the street from the fish market, there was a little shop and it was called something like the comedy connection. And I didn't know what that was. I had never seen a comedy show, never didn't know what comedy really was. I thought, this looks fun. I wonder what this is about. And the show was going to start within an hour. I thought, let me just go ahead and watch this show. And I was a corporate trainer at the time. And I, you know, I was making people laugh all the time, but I didn't know it was called anything. I just, this is who I was. And so I sit there and I watch this comedy show. You know, three guys get up there, they're telling jokes. And I'm like, this is awesome. You mean people do this? People get on stage, make people laugh on purpose? This is amazing. So I asked the, the owner of the club when it, the show was over, I said, how do I do that? How do I get on stage like that? He goes, oh, I, I happened to have a class. And he had an eight-week class teaching comedy. I said, I take it. I don't even know how I got the money. <laughs> it's like it's like $200. And I'm like, I'll do it. And I took the class and the rest is history. It, it transformed my communication and transform my life to learn to be a comedian. And so for the next decade, two decades or so, I perform comedy, whether that's in a, in a comedy club or in my, in my training class, like I just was a comedian all the time. And one of the things that, one of the tools that, of comedy 
is observation, paying attention to what's happening around you, paying attention to the world and determining what is funny about the situation. Why, why would this, what's interesting, what's weird about it, what's strange about it, why is this happening? And it's literally what I've been doing all along as a child. I was always questioning why things were, but not from a, a negative place, but rather to find the humor. I was already naturally looking for the humor in things. And then from, from as a comedian, and because I, I worked as a corporate trainer as well for, for a long time, I thought, we, we got to teach this in corporate. We got to teach people how to laugh at work, how to, because work, as we all know, can be <laughs> true misery. It can be drudgery. Uh-huh. It can yeah. be, it's so challenging. And so I'm like, there's got to be a way to find laughter because everywhere I worked, people had fun. If you're around me, you are going to laugh. You're going to naturally laugh. But I wanted to understand how can I help people to do what I do in their lives, in their own way. And and teaching comedy was the best way to do that. So I started this little uh, thing of teaching companies and people at work how to to use humor at work. So I called my workshop, you know, using humor at work or how to use humor at work and um, how to uh, turn, you know, uh, problems into punchlines, right? How to turn problems into a punchline. Uh, which a punchline for those of you who are listening in comedy is the thing that makes you laugh. It's the moment of laughter. It's a, it's called a punchline, which is terrible because if, you know, in order to, to laugh, because somebody had to punch you, that's kind of a bad thing. But anyway, so, <laughs> so it's a but it has a P in it. <laughs> yeah, it right, has a P in it. Uh, um, so, so I, I was doing this for a while and um, it was fun, but then I thought, well, it, uh, it's not just laughter. There's something more than laughter it's because sometimes not everything is funny. Right. Sometimes yeah. just how, what, how, what, what gets me to the laughter part. And then I realized what gets me to the laughter part is the ability to sort of go inside myself and think about like what brings me joy from the situation or what, what could bring me joy. And in certain situations, like for example, if you had something, a difficult challenge, like a, uh, I don't know, even if it's a car accident or whatever. And, and I'll tell you, I had a car accident uh, 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 many years ago and <laughs> I even laugh about it now because it was the, the silliest thing. Um, I was driving down the, down the street and as I was driving, I had a beautiful car. I had a, a Nissan 350Z. It's a beautiful car, beautiful two-seater sports car, beautiful color. Everybody always who sees a car is like, oh, this is an amazing car. It's a beautiful car. Do you love it? I'm like, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. So I was driving really, really slow as I was coming to a light. And uh, on my left-hand side, uh, there, there, I was passing by a big um, uh, baseball uh, uh, baseball field and outside there were people being interviewed by some reporter and I was driving really slow as I come into a stop to the stoplight and I looked over and I thought how come they're not interviewing me I want to get on tv what what's going on right like what's happening over there I wasn't paying attention and all of a sudden I hit the guy in front of me who happens to have an SUV a big SUV and and you know uh, people have sometimes you have SUV you have this thing called a hitch in the back of the car where they you put on the boat and everything else uh-huh. my little car went underneath his car pushed it up and all I thought was like oh but it's Friday I'm like oh it's the weekend oh no I this is terrible and uh, I'm like this is terrible so him and I we we pull over the side of the road he gets out of this car. His wife doesn't even bother. It's like, she doesn't, she's like, I'm not going to bother. And so he gets out of the car and he looks at the car. He goes, that's a beautiful car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he did I'm not like, say, he did not say that was a beautiful car. 
Right, right. And, and no, I said, well, and I did. I said, well, I was. Uh, yeah. and he goes, oh man, I feel so bad. I'm like, I know, me too. Uh-huh. And we were laughing. And 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 he says, he, well, here's my card. He goes, we're going somewhere, so you just reach out to me and with the whole insurance stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, and he looked back. He goes, man, I'm so sorry for you. I'm like, I know, this is terrible. <laughs> and so I drove my 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 crash car home, and I'm like, well. You know, people look at the car anyway. Now they have another reason to look at the car. <laughs> but you know, right? but, but that sense of like, instead of like trauma, drama, whatever, um, it was more about, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a fender bender or whatever. It's not, nobody got hurt. Um, the situation was, what was, you know, obviously uh, inconvenient, but it is, it's fine. Right. Like, like nothing, nobody's dying here. This is, this is fine. <laughs> and, and that mindset is something that I just start to develop as a habit. Because every time something happens, how can I see the 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 upside of this? What 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 can I get from this that could be beneficial? So, it, it I started to learn it, and so um, later instead of doing just comedy, I thought, what is this really? And then I stumbled upon the topic of positive psychology. And positive psychology, again, another turning point of revolution, because I thought this is really powerful is how to understand everything from how the brain works to how we can literally manage our thoughts and our habits of thinking so that we can build more resilience. And so I discovered along the way that when I was teaching people to laugh, what laughter does is is help to release some of the stress and some of the challenges we feel right emotionally when we're going through stressful situations. And it allows us to, perhaps you, like for example, in that accident, I couldn't fix the car right then but I can fix how I saw the situation, yeah. my perception, right? Of the situation. And that's the key. If you can change the perception of the situation, it changes how you see it and it changes how you perhaps approach it. And of course I got the car fixed. And in fact, uh, not only did I get the car fixed, the, the, the car was so beautiful that the place that I got it fixed at took a before and after picture and used it in the website as a literally as a, as a marketing tool. And I'm like, I'm going to grow your business. So really, because your business, I was doing well, you need for me to have an accent so that you can make more money. Love it. Right. And so the car was just beautiful. And so, you know, everything that happens in life, not everything is, is, is good. You know, sometimes things happen to us that is, is challenging or terrible, whatever, even loss, loss of life, things happen in life. But the resilient, the ability to be resilient, it's how we see the situation. And when you build a, a habit of thinking, not just positively, but but also uh, I'm looking at it from a, a fun perspective, or or what's interesting about this? What can I learn from this? Or well, this isn't isn't this funny? Like I wonder, I, I wonder why is this, what's the lesson here, right? And and so that ability to think from that perspective has given me so much energy that whenever I'm engaging with people at work, talking, do my keynotes or my workshops or my trainings with companies and leaders on how to lead happier, it completely revolutionized my life. And it, and I know that it helps other people because the minute I engage with them, they feel it just like you did. You're saying, I feel your energy from a distance and that already will shift your life in that moment. And my, my goal is to help people transform and to change your lives just by meeting me because I know that greatness can come from that, those conversations and, and, and people thinking this way. And it gives me a tremendous amount of energy. So that's really the core of, of, of where my energy comes from and, and, and why it matters. 
because, you know, life can offer you, you know, a lot of challenges, but unless you, you learn how to look at, because there's two options, right? You can look at it and go, this is terrible, this is horrible, and be miserable, like many of us are in, sometimes in, in, our, in our work, we'd be miserable. That misery only helps to continue the misery. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the more I think negatively or the more I think I see the world as miserable, that misery continues. And the spiral right? goes because on and on and on and on. It, it spirals on yeah. and on because it's energy, right? Yeah. If I constantly see the terrible, the terrible, the terrible, you know, I live in America. You know, 2020 was challenging beyond COVID, right? It, it was challenging for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, you know, politically, politically and everything else. And I thought, this is hilarious. This this is actually quite, quite hilarious. Like if we look at it from a funny perspective, it's, it's a lot of things that are happening that, that may not seem funny, but if you look at it from a, a different perspective, you can see the humor, but it allows you to then deal with the situation in a more productive way. Yeah. When you're, when you're constantly thinking of things negatively, it is not productive. Uh, when you think of things positive, it helps you move forward. So yeah. to me, negativity sometimes help keeps people in the same place or keeps people stuck. Where positivity helps you move forward, it drives you forward, right? Um, so anyway, that was and a lot that, of yeah, yeah. Lot so so, so you yeah. you just like can can I say that in your your life is just something that happened? Like you just you found the comedy, you found the positive psychology. So like, I gather, like you are not, you have not been to all of the universities in life. Or like, is are you, are you a student of university of life? You are not like, you have not been on every university in America or whatever. Yeah, no, I haven't been every university in America. I do have a bachelor's and I do have a master's degree. And in fact, <clears throat> when I was finishing my master's degree, uh, I got a master's degree in corporate education. And the reason why I went into corporate education, meaning a corporate trainer, is because I just love teaching. I love talking beyond stage and teaching people. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a teacher in school because y'all don't make any money. So it's too much work and little pay. And and I'm an and I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm like, no, I want to work in companies because this is where really I can make uh, a good income. But also, even as a child, again, I was driving around New York. I remember when we moved to, uh, to New York, uh, my dad used to take us around the city like on the weekends when it was when it was not a lot of, a lot of people. And he and and he says, yeah, it's good for you to see downtown and everything else. And I remember looking at buildings and thinking, I want to work there. I don't know what people do there, but I want to work there. And uh, even as a kid and as a teenager, I would have uh, I walked in my I didn't have a book bag like a backpack. I had a briefcase. I had a, a I had a, an appointment book for my classes. Like I was very I was very businessy, right? Like I wanted to be this little business person. And um, but then when I went to school, I thought, okay, what am I going to focus on? So I studied business and then I started training because I thought I love teaching and playing with groups and helping people learn. And, and also because I've been through so many trainings that were boring, so boring. And I'm like, this should not, learning should not be boring. Learning is so much fun. Are you kidding me? And so I embarked on the, uh, and I'm still am, I'm still teaching and training and, and speaking and making meetings fun because that's how people learn. Um, but I did, I, I, I got degrees, you know, professional degrees, and then I continued my studies you know, in coaching, I, I got, you know, certified coach and I got training in, 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 um, happiness studies. And in this, in this uh, time of my life, uh, I just realized that the one topic that is the most significant in changing people's lives is understanding how to be happy because we are all literally in the pursuit of happiness, right? Whether you know it or not, it's why we do what we do. 
right? We work, we, we earn a living, we eat, we exercise, we meditate because we're, we're looking for a place of happiness and it's, it's our pursuit. And I just happen to be, you know, gifted with a gift of humor. And that's what I'm here for. I just know that's what I'm here for. And I'm here to, to spread more joy and happiness. And that's what I'm doing. This is, it's my job. So if, if people who are listening, like because you are so into this and you are so invested in this like happiness at work or, or humor and stuff, like because me, I, I just, I, I hate it when, when you know the gloomy situations, when you can feel, you can sense there is something wrong, then I just play yeah. the clown and I just say literally just anything just to be, so you get... Like, and you can feel the energy shifting from the negativity to the positive things. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. how, how because you, you are so invested in this field of, of like happiness at work and stuff, how, how would you approach, like, because we talked about it earlier before we started recording, how you, you embark, like, how do you connect or talk to people, like, in the business, we have like I have some solution for you. I know like you have some problems. What are your problems? So how do you approach them, or how do people approach you, and how do you sell them? Because sometimes happiness in a sentence is like, oh, is this something about mindfulness, or like I'm oh I'm really happy, but like they don't show it because I'm working. You know, I'm a sassy businesswoman. I'm a sassy like whatever. So so how how do you because happiness, as I say, happiness in a sentence can be just people they just run away and they are just like oh no not that kind of people. Yeah, you know, um, I, I I think your your question is, is is a good one around you know how do companies get attracted to this topic or how can we introduce this topic to, to companies? Because we are on a mission. We are on a mission. We are on an absolute mission. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been on this mission, I think from the moment of birth, but we are an absolute mission. And, and here's the thing. Um, sometimes companies don't know that they need the topic of happiness. They're experiencing the result of not being having a happy workplace. The experience is what is causing the problem. You see what they're experiencing is a uh, high turnover. And right now in the, in the time of this recording, we're dealing with what's something called the great resignation. Yeah. Where people are realizing, wait a minute, the way of work is changing and has changed forever, but companies still need to be productive. They still need to earn a living. They still need to you know provide a service. Right. So, uh, leaders are becoming very, very, very invested in figuring out how the heck uh, do we keep our people not only happy, but keep them engaged, keep them interested. In in America alone, uh, supposedly the 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 percentage of people who are disengaged at work um, are is, is upwards of seventy percent. It's just a huge amount of people who are not engaged at work. And by not engaged, it does not mean that they don't do their job. You do your job, but because you're not happy with it or the people, the situation, you don't feel psychologically safe at work, uh, you, you, you feel like you can't learn or you're not included in conversations that matter, you begin to give less. Disconnected. So you get your job done, but you give less. So, so when you could have provided a solution to something, you stayed quiet. You still did, you still did your job, but you didn't provide a solution. So 
leaders and business are recognizing the tremendous amount of revenue and potential uh, uh, profit they're losing by people not being engaged. So they're suffering the consequences of not having happier workplaces. So our job is to help people and companies understand how do they uh, create a, a place, a workplace, a culture that is significant where people feel that there, there are four things that people feel they're included in, in the conversations they're included. They're, they're part of something they belong. They feel they can learn. And by learning, I mean, you can do things differently and make mistakes and not be shamed for it. Mm-hmm. They feel that they are making a contribution to the, to the business, right. And, and to the results are getting. And fourth, they're able to push back on the the system they're able to push back on on the business if things are not working and not feel like they're going to be you know put down or shamed or not listened to and so on those four elements are tremendous in order to to develop a happier workplace so businesses are feeling the effects of it now what you're also saying is when you say the word happiness sometimes that may conjure up fluffy is fluffy is it's not as soft, as, as, like, yeah. soft yeah. right it's not strategic yeah however forbes harvard business review uh management journals are saying no 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 happiness the topic is no longer a nice to have it's a must have and there's no studies already proving that companies and cultures that are happier uh produce better results by 28% than those that are not. That's, that's significant. That means that people who have a uh, an ability to, again, learn, feel included, feel like they can uh, actually uh, push back on the system and not be you know uh, put down and make a contribution, feel a sense like, oh, I can grow in this company. I can give more myself. And that in turn brings joy, you see. So that's really the key is, is not so much that the, that the, uh, the term is, is, oh, you know, is, that's not important. We as, you know, happiness trainers and educators and speakers need to help people understand why this matters. And so again, people, the clients who reach out to me on a daily basis, I've had so many conversations with clients who say, we need this in our business so much right now, especially because of after the pandemic and not even after during this whole post pandemic life, people are still dealing with significant mental health um, stress and challenges, burnout. And so companies are experiencing this and they say, how do we solve for it? Because here's the key. Money is not solving it. Paying people more is not solving it. Uh, having, you know, little trinkets in the office is not solving. People don't want to go back to the office again. And the reason why they don't want to go back to the office again is not because they don't want to, you know, commute, although that's a challenge. It's not because they want to spend hours and hours away from the family, although that's a challenge. It's not because they want to leave their new puppies behind, although that's a challenge. It's because they are dissatisfied with how they feel when they're at the office or in this business. And so when they're home, they have, they, they feel it less. And that's what's been happening. People feel have been feeling less stressed by not being around the people that make them feel stressed. Do you, you follow? So yep. that's been the challenge and businesses are struggling with this. They go, how do we bring people back to the office? Well, first of all, make it fun. Uh, second of all is begin to create a culture where people feel like they are included in the culture. And somebody said, well, Brooklyn, how, how do people feel included? How, how, what can we do so people feel like they're included? Literally invite them to conversations. There's so many people I talk to 
Canadian peers and, and people that come to me for private coaching, they say, the problem is, is that I go to a meeting and all of a sudden I feel like these people have met about this issue, but they never told me about it. And now I'm outside of the situation. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't feel valued, right? There's so many, uh, the, the hierarchy of needs, right? Maslow's hierarchy of need. There's so many fundamental needs that people are not feeling they're met, which is why they're not coming back to work. They don't want to go back to the office and they're leaving in droves. And here's the kicker. People are leaving work, not for another job. They're leaving work, period. They're like, no, nope, I'm going to go figure out what else I can do for myself. Maybe work for myself. I don't know. Find something, find something else because this model is no longer working. It's been broken. It's been broken for a very long time and businesses are feeling the effects of this broken system that can no longer continue. It has got to change. And the reason why it has to change is because people are literally leaving. They're just leaving the workplace and they're like, they're not coming back. Um, people are retiring early. They're finding maybe a new business, a, a whole new career because people are realizing the goal of work is to, through it, is the pursuit of happiness right? I want to feel joy while I'm doing it. I want to feel happiness while I'm doing it um, and feel like I'm making a contribution to the world or something bigger than me. And most workplaces who are not paying attention are losing both people, revenue, and market share. I guess that people don't want on their tombstone a sentence that said, I lived for the stakeholders. I worked for the stakeholders. And companies, like we, we are talking about companies, we, if the stakeholders are number one and mm -hmm. employees are number five, then mm -hmm. I would get the heck out of there. Because yeah. that is like, like the employee, because you have to have the vision that give the employee, give the employers like opportunity to show because they, they know they they have something you hire them because of something they had something to give so yeah yeah like dip in and, and just like get creative and and i think this profit thing although profit is okay but does it mean like is 20 percent profit less or like where is the where do you want to go because your system is non like it's not like anything else in the world. The system in the US is just like for us in Europe, we just don't understand it because it's so yeah. ridiculous. But yeah. But you can pursue your dream and you, you never thought when you were like uh, in the university and I was going to do this, you had big dreams and then all of a sudden you were just a company clerk and you were just following whatever like you are just like a sheep in the amongst other sheeps and, and you just follow the lead yeah no listen it it really is significant <clears throat> in terms of the problem that companies are facing today uh in america uh, i don't know other parts of the world but certainly in america one of one of the the biggest challenges is like i said it's engagement is people feeling whole feeling whole at work, um, not having to leave so much of themselves behind. Um, and people have tremendous amount of skill and ability and intelligence, like the collective intelligence and wisdom of employee of, of, of your whole um, organization is significant. But the reason why people are not stepping up 
and stepping forward and really giving more of themselves is because they recognize that in a business, if my being vulnerable, my sharing my information does not get received well, or I don't get heard, or I don't feel like, you know what, I don't think these people care. I'm still going to do my job because I got to get paid, but I'm not going to do it as well as I could if, if I felt valued. And boy, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, it's kind of sad that the, the, the a human thing of feeling valued, like I mattered. And by the way, this happens in every relationship, right? It happens in a marriage. It happens in, uh, you know, with people who are couples, right? It happens with friendships. If you are in a marriage and you don't feel valued, you trust there's going to be no rapport. Yeah. You're going to feel like uh, something's happening here. It shouldn't be happening. And I'm not happy with it. When people, when there's a breakdown in communication, it's always a breakdown in your value system. It's a breakdown of feeling valued when people are not, when there's trust issues, Issues, it's a value issue. When when there is, like I said, communication, trust, all those issues is because I don't feel valued. I don't feel part of this. I don't feel like I belong. And it is not just this whole diversity and inclusion business is not just a person of color or uh, minorities or, uh, you know, cultural per se, per se. It's a human challenge, which is tribal, right? Way from the caveman days, right? Like if, if, if you did not, you were not part of the tribe, you were cast out. In fact, a big punishment was you were put out, right? Cast out of the, 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 the unit. It has not changed. We have a primal brain that desire and need to be part of something bigger has not changed. And so now leaders are trying to figure out, Hey, how, what do we do? You know, uh, is it, is it, is it, you know, 401ks or benefits or putting more money to it? No, Yes, that's good, but those things bring temporary joy and happiness. Like in the moment, yeah, if somebody, you know, you just got a raise, it feels good for the moment, but the minute that somebody gets a raise, what do they think? Oh, this is okay, but boy, it's not enough to cover this, or I'm already, you know, spending more than I should or whatever. And statistically, it's been shown that somebody, uh, uh, salary-wise, you're not any happier after $70,000 a year. That's incredible, but you're not any happier you know, beneath that is a little bit hard because anywhere in America, in most countries, in most places, or I should say most places, and mostly in America, um, that only gets you so far, right? It gives you the, the, the basics. But beyond $70,000 a year, it's okay. If I make $100,000, it's okay, but I'm not going to be any, any happier between seventy and 100000 Why is that? Because what I do to contribute to get that is not that significant. And so people hold back from bringing their whole self to work and being their full being and companies who are recognizing that and tapping into their, the power of the population, their employee population, the power of the wisdom that people have because they're the ones doing the work. People have ideas left and right, but because they don't, they raised their hand one time and the, the manager didn't listen to them or didn't do anything about it or didn't, or didn't, um, or didn't, uh, you know, give them, you know, recognition or whatever, or, or at least recognize, or, uh, uh, recognize their contribution, people stop contributing. They just, like I said, they do their job. Yeah. They perform, they get, they go through, through performance appraisals and they, and they, they hit their mark. <laughs> right. So you go, well, I'm, I'm performing. I, I, I do my job. I, I, you can't fire me. I do my job. Doing your job and performing is not what's required. Actually. That's, that's like your job description. That's to do your job. It's when you contribute to the growth and the expansion of the products that you, that you, that you have, or, you know, the work that you do in that business, that's where the real profit comes from. When, when people actually go, not just above and beyond, but they give of themselves is because they feel safe 
to do so. They feel safe to learn. And that's what it's about. So when I teach the science of happiness and I teach happiness at work, what I'm really teaching is basically how do you create a safe learning environment and a safe work environment, mental work environment, where people feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves and they can contribute. And ultimately they, that brings happiness to them, right? That's like the, uh, the, the end result. But the process you go through, that's what I teach, is how to create a culture where people feel safe to learn, safe to contribute, safe to engage. And it starts literally with every single individual. And then it goes from the manager because the manager has the most contact with that employee. And that's where change can actually happen. But when you when you start the process of getting a customer, like and, and mm-hmm. it, it's a journey, and you yes. they must be skeptical because they are just like, are you sure? And like they go, they themselves go through a lot of emotions and could this be right? I did not get, they, nobody taught me that happiness was something that I should focus on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after a process, after you have been with them and taught them and contributed with uh, everything that you have been talking about, do they come to you and say, A, you're unbelievable and B, you are awesome, or like, I never thought, or like, how have you, do you remember any specific, like, where there was maybe 60% negativity when you started, or 80% negativity, and then they were just all in, and you were just the queen of the ball, or like, you were just yeah, yeah. the yeah, king yeah. of the hill? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a great question, I think, uh, um, you know, it's interesting because I can't answer it the, the way I think you're asking it. Meaning, you know, how do you deal with people's, um, perhaps I can, how do you deal with people's negativity or, or, or yeah, negativity around this topic, Skepticism, yeah. right? Like, like, like they don't believe. Yeah. The good news is it hasn't quite happened uh, because they haven't talked to me. Uh, but the minute that people uh, engage, typically people engage me, they, they usually reach out to me. They saw something on LinkedIn, they saw a video, they saw a post, whatever, and they go, I want to know more. Like, how, how do we do this? And this literally was been happening. It's because I'm tapping into what I know the problems that the companies are facing are. And I speak to them from both a, a previous employee and the experiences I had and so and how it affected me and, and why I do this work. And people resonate to that. And what I look to have is people have conversations that are that, that are full of resonance, meaning when we're talking, people know this is a problem. So so the key is when you're, you're when you're talking about happiness and when you want to get people to 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 either hire you for as a happiness consultant or whatever, you, you have to understand what problems that company is facing. And I happen to study, not only do I study happiness, I also study the problems that companies are having because they they don't exhibit happiness at work. And so I study it, I research it, I, I understand it deeply. So when I talk to people, it, it very seldom. Now, this is the client. The question becomes is, well, how do you get people when once you're hired, you know, when you have a class or a training, you have those people in the room, you have this guy who has a, ter- you know, his face is, he's happy, but nobody's told his face. I call it resting business face. Um, how, do you t- how do you get that guy excited? Uh, and that, you know, those are facilitation skills and tools and trickery and magic stuff that I do behind the scenes. But my goal is to, because not everybody in the world has to operate the way I operate and they don't necessarily have to be show energy because people sometimes are very energetic inside. They don't have to say show it, but, but eventually I tap into what is happening for that person. What, what, 
you know, what are the experiences they're having? And I let them talk and I let them share. And, and, and literally as I let them talk and let them share, you watch how their energy shifts because they recognize, Oh, I've been missing this for a long time. Right. And so I work with a lot of leaders. Most of my trainings are with leaders around and managers and leaders and executives and, you know, HR directors and CEOs and CFOs and C, you know, IOs and all the (laughs) C-suites, right. All all the C-suites, I call them the the candy rolls, right. It's like C for candy. Um, I work with these folks and they're human. And, and, and right. And, and no, nobody helps uh, who's going to help them be happy as well. And trust it's not the money they're making because it, it wouldn't matter. Again, these people can make millions of dollars. It doesn't make them any, any happier. Oh, yeah. What makes a lot of leaders happy is recognizing how to help their people even be better. And that brings them joy. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. it's reciprocal. Um, but yeah, every now and again, I make it, you know, a naysayer or somebody's like, oh, I'm not. at the end of the day, honestly, like I'm not, I, I don't, I don't worry about that too, too much. I, what I care, I, I have not had a client yet come to me with skept, with skepticism. Um, I would say yet, but maybe there was one, but the person turned very, very quickly when, when, yeah. when they, when it resonated with their problem and they just, they couldn't say no. It's, it, I, it I like, literally think that you could just stare at a sour grape and make it sweet. Like you are, <laughs> like you are. You are unbelievable. It's just like sour lemon, and you will just make like you will give me the sour lemon and say it's sweet, and I would just it's it's. And it's I, I would I would just believe you. I was just like, oh yes, Brooklyn, it's yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah, and you just yeah. like, and even though my face would be crying because it's so sour, then it's just no, it's sweet. So yeah, we have yeah, to move on because like I I can sense that you are on fire. You are on passion. Like this is your passion. So happiness at home for Brooklyn because okay happiness in life I think we covered it you came out of the womb and you just said happiness in life that is my thing so we don't have to talk about that but but what makes you happy at home like you because when you are so passionate and you're like we were before we started we were talking about the tools and as we who work with people we are the tool so yes. what do you do to contain and, and like it's hard 24 7 to to be always like uh, and nobody says i will empathize like empath- like mm-hmm. my my i will just say it again and again and again nobody has to be happy 24 7 but yeah. how do you like don't how do you not get the home in a depression mode, like uh, like when you come yeah. home and you are just you have been giving yourself, you are all yes. in and stuff. Like, how do you give us a little bit like uh, of your home life? What, yes. what what is it that makes Brooklyn tick? Like, yes, such a great. You know what? This is probably the best question, uh, and nobody asks it a whole lot. Which is, you know, what makes a happy person happy? Right? Yeah, I'm the one giving. So how do I how do we how do I recharge and rejuvenate? That's a great question. I literally follow my own advice. And here's how I, how I see life. <clears throat> life is like a battery. <clears throat> a battery, a b- car battery, has both a positive and a negative charge, right? You need both. Yeah. <clears throat> you need both. And you need things that are happening in life that are not so positive. They're maybe negative, maybe hard. Because <clears throat> those are what I call my little mini quizzes, my little mini lesson, lessons of the day. 
and I apply what I teach. And so, and not, and not always perfectly, because in fact, the other day I was like, not, in fact, literally I was in Vegas and I was not happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. But I went for, for this event um, and I had to be there for a little while. And I just, I was feeling myself just spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. But one of the things I teach and I know is that the reason why I'm feeling this way is because of how I'm thinking. And so I immediately say, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it right. So when it's, when it's really, really challenging heading, I literally will, I have notebooks everywhere on the house. I just grab a notebook and start writing. What am I feeling? What's going on? What's happening? So that I can just let it. And then sometimes I just allow it to be. I just literally allow, I don't try to force to feel happy. I'm just like, okay, right now I'm just feeling, you know, I was going to say a bad word, but I'm not feeling that great right now. So just allow it and almost like let, it's, a, it's almost a meditative process where I just I let myself feel it and actually be with that moment of not feeling great. Literally be in that moment and just feel it and go, you know what? I'm sad right now. I'm mourning. I'm sad. This is challenging. Wow. And I almost like, I will, I will literally hold my arms and kind of give myself a hug. Like it's okay. Let myself feel it. Right. Just let, because it will pass. Yeah. Right. That moment will pass. And so, but, but if I give too much thought to it, I just continue through the day with it. So, but, but it, because the emotions are the language of the body thoughts is the language of the mind. So if I am having an emotion of not feeling great, there must be a thought connected to it. So what is it? What is my unconscious mind trying to tell me? And I'm like, you know what? I just need to chill out right now. I just need to kind of relax. I just need to sit down and relax. And sometimes heading, it could be the fact that I haven't gotten enough sleep. I'm like, like we've experienced the last few days being in trains at six and five and six in the morning. I'm like, you know what? I need sleep. <laughs> Duh. Sleep is a huge oh, yes. uh, mood, mood yeah. enhancer, right? It, it'll affect your mood. And so sometimes I'm just like, allow that moment to happen. And literally it will pass within a few minutes. Yeah. And then I move on with my day. Um, but that's my practice. I practice what I'm preaching on a daily basis. Uh, and not that I don't want to feel unhappy. I want to feel unhappiness but I allow it to be because I know it's going to, it's going to push through this. I'm, I'm needing to learn something or pick something up. And sometimes I'm just not in the mood. I'm like, you know what, whatever, but I don't let it last too long because it doesn't do me any good because I'm responsible for making my business run. And if I'm not happy, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. And uh, if I'm trying to write a post and that's what I think, if I'm writing, trying to write a post and I'm not feeling good, I'm like, nope, don't write it now. Don't write now because that energy will go in that post. And that's not what I want. This is really important. Our thoughts are energy. And if I'm writing a post or I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to do a sales call and I'm not in the mood, I better snap out of it. I better put some music on. I better snap out of it so I can get into the mood when I'm in that call. And then when I'm done with that call, I'll go back and go, okay, so what was happening? Kind of like almost like a recess. But you give you, your brain a mental break. Uh, and it's not all about pursuit of happiness. It's just more about, okay, I'm having this feeling right now. What do I do? How do I chill out? And typically is meditation will help me. Writing will help me. Music will help me. Food, uh, a good quality food will help. There's a whole other thing about gastronomic uh, happiness. Like it, it, it all starts with the gut. Uh, have a good you know, piece of fruit or something that will elevate my, 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 my blood sugar. I watch for all the sort of all the levers, right? It's, is it emotional? Is it physical? Is it mental? Where, where, where's the challenge here? And find somewhere to tweak it. And then move through it. And sometimes it's literally just sitting with it for a little bit, for a few minutes, not even long, a few minutes, take a breath and go, okay, let this moment happen and then move forward. But, uh, but then all of a sudden, the minute that happens, joy and happiness starts to bubble up uh, uh, out of me. And, and it's, it's a great thing. Do you know what? 
we met last mm. week and I feel like I have known you all my life. It's just like you blow me away. Hi, like oh, you're, it, you. it's unbelievable. So because we have to we have to stop this because we have been talking for 45 minutes. 45 minutes. <laughs> this is uh, I know. I'm I'm trying to have it 30 minutes but I'm I'm very bad at that at the moment. But hey, I get a great discussions. But as it has been a great discussion and you are just believe me uh, if people who are listening to this they don't feel the energy and be energized and what i know like whatever uh, they the most like they have to take their hearing aid out or something like that There's, there must be something wrong with them but all my guests i did not ask you to say my name because like here is my name can you say here then yeah okay yeah yeah you are like 75%. You can rehearse. No, 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 no. Hear no. uh, Give me the pronunciation again. Hear then. Hear then. It's, ah. like, it's like you're Icelandic. You must be Icelandic. But I, I must be. I, I love sound. I love music. I love sound. And I just like, listen to the sound of it. Hear then. Every guest on my podcast, they have to, like, they get a challenge of saying an Icelandic word. Yes. So now I will bring, give you the word. I will only say it once. So you have to listen very carefully. Yes. Yes. So the word you are getting is Kleppjörnsreykjar. Kleppjörnsreykjar. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only for me. <laughs> Kleppjörnsreykjar. It's a little town outside Reykjavik. So that is like, it's Kleppjörnsreykjar. Clap, your Clap. Your, you're striking. <laughs> Clap, you're striking. I love it. <laughs> My brain is like, that is just gibberish. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> but believe me, uh, believe me, it's a word. It's a, like, it's a legit word. So, oh, I know. But, oh, I know it is. But Brooklyn, it has been absolutely like you are just crazy good. And you are just, you. it's your bubbling and it's just, you're so... Oh, you're so alive and you just, uh, I love it when, when I just have to say hello and my guest is and the person just like, Doosh! and then I just have to enjoy and listen. And I hope that my people, like those who are listening to this, enjoy it as themselves. Uh, as, Absolutely. As Thank have. you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if people want to find me, just go on LinkedIn and my first name, last name, Brooklyn Descent, D-I-C-E-N-T on LinkedIn and message me and tell me that you heard me on this podcast. Yeah. I got a special gift for you. Tell me you heard me on this podcast. I got a special gift for you. And thank you again for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media. 